Thank you for joining Bowling Green Christian Church this week. If you'd like to check out more resources or donate to this ministry, please visit BowlingGreenChristian.org. Hey church, good morning. If you're visiting with us, my name is Weston and I am the senior minister here. And so normally I would be preaching, uh, but today we've got a special guest. This is Megan Case. She is our children's minister. Yeah. Um, as we were planning out this series, thinking about the kingdom of God and uh, what the gospel had to say about it, what Jesus himself had to say about the kingdom, uh, I came across all of these passages of saying, man, if you want to get in the kingdom, there's something about this connection of becoming more like a child. And I thought there was nobody better to share on this uh, passage, this topic this morning than Megan. So let's welcome her one more time, and then she's going to do a great job. Good morning. It's so good. Oh, I've already messed up. Can you hear me? Okay. Good morning. It's so good to be upstairs with you all this morning. So when Weston asked me um, to speak on children in the kingdom of God, at first I was like, are you sure? You want me to come talk to the big people and use like big people words? Um, but I got to thinking, what makes children so different from adults? Like when do we truly become an adult? Now, legally, we become an adult at age 18. But when do we really start to feel it? Is it when we're able to rent a car or when we get our first job? Was there some sort of initiation that we were supposed to go through? Like, when does adultness really kick in? I can tell you a defining moment for me. So as a child and even into high school, people commented that I smiled a lot. And I really didn't realize that I was smiling it just happened, I guess, because I was happy and I hadn't really been knocked down yet. And looking back, it was probably super annoying and inappropriate in some situations. So if you knew me then, I'm sorry. But years later, I've graduated college. I have my first teaching degree or my first teaching job, and I'm newly married, and I'm walking through the grocery one night. And this older man passes by me. And he says to me, smile. So I'm confused and a little offended. I wouldn't recommend telling a lady to smile or that she looks tired. But all of that aside, I realized that I had this unpleasant look on my face because I wasn't happy. Now, I'm not saying that we have to fake happiness or that it's not okay to be unhappy. But that's when I realized that I had become one of them. One of those callous adults just going through the motions of life. And ironically, I had checked big things off of my list. I found the perfect man. And if you know Landon Case, you know he's the perfect man. Yes. <laughs> You're welcome, Landon. I, I had my dream job teaching. I thought I'd be doing that for the rest of my life, but it still wasn't enough. And then, and even sometimes now, I think that we think that we're like Disney characters, where we're destined for greatness, and there's something bigger out there waiting for us. I think that we're all trying to find greatness within ourselves. Greatness is valued by our society, and we're encouraged to chase it daily. And greatness could come in different forms. It could be your wealth or climbing your career ladder and being really good at your job. 
Greatness could be your social class or how many followers you have on social media. It could be all the volunteer hours that you have and all the ministries that you serve in because you want to be a good person or a good Christ follower. Greatness could be trying to keep up with the moms on social media who are doing all the cool crafts and all the cool snacks that just aren't realistic. Despite what your definition of greatness is, I think we're all looking for three things. I think we all want to be valued, we all want security, and we all want to be connected to something bigger than ourselves. Maybe you're looking for security because it's something you've been deprived of, either physically or emotionally. And in trying to find that security, you don't take chances and you don't allow yourself to think creatively because you're afraid of messing up. You might become stubborn because you feel safe doing things the way that you've always done them. Maybe you're looking to be valued by somebody, by anybody. And in trying to find your value, you hold grudges and become unforgiving because people aren't treating you the way that you think you should be treated. Maybe you're looking for connection. And in trying to find that connection and in trying to fit in, you become somebody that you're not. And your moral compass might get foggy. And sometimes when we try to find connection, we exclude others because they're not the right kind of connection that we're looking for. There's nothing wrong with wanting value, security, and connection. God made us to want these things and to have these things. But when we try to fill these voids on our own, God's purpose for our life kind of gets foggy, and it becomes about us. This is something that I even find myself doing in ministry sometimes. I think, okay, if I do this event in this way, then the kids will know Jesus. Or if I put in these hours, then my volunteers will see how much they're valued. And when it comes down to it sometimes, I think my driving force is if I do this, then God will love me more. We all want to be great. And we're not the first people to want this. In Matthew 18, we'd find that the disciples were also searching for greatness but they found something better. So turn with me to Matthew chapter 18. And it's on the screen. You don't even have to turn. Wow. All right, we're going to start reading at verse 1. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? The Jewish people during this time, they dealt with rank and status on a daily basis. So it makes sense that they're wondering... How, how they fit into this new kingdom, what their role is. Like us, I'm sure they also wanted to feel valued, secure, and connected. You see, but the problem is, this new kingdom that Jesus was ushering in was totally different. God had a different idea of greatness. These kingdom values are what Jesus said would set his followers apart. They would define them, and they would one day be perfected in heaven. In just a couple chapters before this, in Matthew chapter 16, we see Peter. So Peter is handed the keys to the kingdom, and Jesus tells him, you are the rock on which my church will be built. So I'm sure the other disciples are thinking, 
Peter's no better than us. He's one of us. So what are we going to do? We are going to do something great too, I'm sure. And so they're waiting to hear that from Jesus. But Jesus doesn't say that. Jesus goes back to these new kingdom values, and this is what he does. He called a little child to him and placed the child among them. And he said, truly, I tell you, unless you change and become like little children, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. A more literal translation, the NRSV puts it this way. Whoever becomes humble like this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. Now, Jesus isn't necessarily saying that children are the most humble people in the world. There are some of you sitting out there that are thinking, I've got a couple kids at home that do not fit this bill. Except for Lucas and Chelsea Humble, wherever you guys are, you all do have four humble children. So, good job, you guys. Children during, during this time, the Jewish culture, were so loved, but they were the lowest in ranking. They were completely dependent on their parents. The phrase to humble means a reversal of status or to cause someone to lose status. So when it says to be humble like a child, what it means is to lower ourselves on the totem pole. As my family would put it, not to be too big for your britches. And most importantly, for us to be less so that Jesus can be more. You see, we look for greatness in ourselves when it's found in Jesus alone. Jesus says the greatest in the kingdom are those who humble themselves like a child. And he should know he is the perfect example of this. He lives out those same kingdom values that he asked us to live out. We're going to read a passage together. I love downstairs in kids' place when we all read something together. So we're going to read Philippians 2, 8 through 11 together. Are you guys ready? Are you ready? Okay, here we go. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death even death on a cross. Therefore, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. You see, Jesus gave up his highest rank and he lowered himself before the Lord in the most humble way that I can think of. He came to this earth as a human, he lived a perfect life, and he died on the cross for our sins. What Jesus is saying to the disciples and to us is that we don't have to be great. In fact, we're incapable of being great. Jesus is great so that we don't have to be, and he gives us that greatness. Isn't that a relief? So whatever you're doing to try to earn greatness, you can stop. It's already been found. And it's not in you and it's not in me. It's in Christ alone. And it's completely free. You don't have to be great to find connection. The greatest connection is in Jesus and in his church. You don't have to be great to be valued. Jesus valued you enough to die on the cross for you. 
and the creator of the world values you. Romans 8.39 says that nothing can separate us from God's love. And you don't have to be great to find security. Our greatest security is in Christ. The things of this earth will pass away, but those who rest in him will live with him forever. At Awana last Sunday night, we started making these blessing bags for our Room in the Inn guests. So if you're not sure what Room in the Inn is, it's a really awesome ministry where churches around town take turns of housing those experiencing homelessness. So our church gets to house them on Friday nights, and our Kids Place parents could sign up to bring different items in. And our kids, they, they decorated these bags to put the items in, and then we'll be handing them to them in a few weeks. So our kids, a lot of them put really nice pictures. There, there were crosses and flowers and all kinds of nice things. And one of our first graders, she comes up really proud with her bag, and she holds it up, and it reads, God loves you. You have a home in heaven. And that's true for all of us. We not only have security in this life here, but in the next life. We find security, connection, and value in Christ alone. And if you want to be part of God's kingdom, all that Jesus asks is for you to be like little children. Because when we become like little children, we see the kingdom of God more clearly. When we return to square one and start over like children, as Eugene Peterson puts it in his message translation, we find ourselves shedding these layers that are keeping us from embracing God. I like to think of it as a child going out to play in the snow. We have all been kids here, so you know what I'm talking about. Your kids make you, your parents make you wear seven layers of clothes, and by the time you get outside, it completely sucks the fun out of everything. You can't even walk, let alone build a snowman. I have an image here of my son, Howie. This is the first snow of the year. Howie did not love the snow, as you can see. And it wasn't the snow, and it wasn't the cold. He was like this before we even left the house. He had already, as you can see, ripped off his gloves, and he just hated being restricted. And I think we as adults are the same way. We put on all these layers over the years. Someone hurts us, or they get in the way of our plans, and so we become unforgiving, untrusting, jealous. Things happen in this life that kick us down, so we suit up in hopelessness and in fear. We like for things to be the same, and so we become real stubborn. And with all those layers, it's so hard to feel in touch with God, let alone able to embrace him. When we humble ourselves, Jesus is exalted, and that's hard to do when we're puffed up with pride. So, as someone who spends a lot of time with kids, I wanted to remind us what we used to be like and who Jesus is calling us to be like, like little children. I want to preface this by saying that I know kids are not perfect. I live with a toddler. They're human, and they sin too. But there's so much that we can learn from children. The first thing that we can learn is to step out in faith. So here at Kids Place, we do this thing called Fifth Sunday Surprise. We're actually doing one today. 
So months that have a fifth Sunday, on that Sunday, we go to a surprise location. The kids have no idea where we're going. And they love the thrill and the suspense of it all. But can you imagine, as an adult, by the way, the parents do know where we're taking their kids. We're not kidnapping kids. But can you imagine, as an adult, being told you're going to get on a bus and you have no idea where you're going or for how long? I wouldn't do it. But kids are trusting. They jump into situations with faith. They know that they're going to be taken care of. Kids in a safe home don't have to worry about adult matters because they know that their parents are looking out for them. Do you ever think back to when you were a child and think, wow, I had no worries in the world. All these things were going on around me, and I had no clue. That must have been nice. If the last two years have taught us anything, it's that there are so many uncontrollable things in this world. We don't have control. But we can have faith that God does have control, and he's going to take care of us. We can also be more like kids by trusting God's love. So Howie is two now, and with that, he's got lots of big feelings and lots of big opinions, and he's doing really dangerous things. And so the other night, he um, was doing something dangerous over and over, and we kept trying to correct him. He wasn't listening. So I came down harder on him than I ever have before. And I fully expected him to run to Landon and want nothing to do with me. But he actually ran to me afterwards. And he just wanted me to hold him and embrace him. And in that moment, I realized two things. One, thank goodness my kid still loves me. And two, I realized that even at the age of two, he already knows that his mom and dad will love him no matter what he does. He can mess up over and over, but we will still be there to embrace him afterward. In just a few verses after this passage we just read, we see the parable of the lost sheep. We see God who leaves the 99 for the one who has strayed. We have a father who is waiting for us with open arms, who is waiting to tell us, I still love you no matter how much you mess up or how prideful you do get. Another way that we can be like children is to love courageously. In verse 5 of this passage, it says, And whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me. Jesus values children. In chapter 19, children are brought to Jesus to pray over. And the disciples rebuke the kids, and they're like, Jesus doesn't have time for you all. Get out of here. But this is what Jesus says. He says, let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of heaven belongs to such as these. It's clear that children are an important part of God's kingdom. That's why I think children's ministry is so important. Not only are we introducing kids to Jesus, but we learn so much from kids. If you've ever taught a class with kids, either here at church or somewhere else, you've probably left feeling like you got something out of it. I firmly believe that God uses children to teach the gospel and to reveal his goodness. 
children are naturally welcoming. They're taught to deny and to accept people, and a lot of times not intentionally. There was a study done by Thomas Pettigrew and Linda Tropp, and they found that those that we distance ourselves from, we are generally less welcoming towards, and we're more biased towards. Kids are so perceptive. They pick up on our body language, they pick up on cues, they notice who we're hanging around and who we're not hanging around, and they allow that to form their opinions about people. They don't start out this way. They're not sitting on the playground thinking, okay, who am I going to network with today? He's got a bad rapport with a teacher, so I'm not going to mess around with him. Or she looks like she'd give really great birthday gifts. I think I'm going to go be her friend. They're not trying to add people to their LinkedIn accounts. Whether we realize it or not, a lot of times we are more welcoming to those we think will advance us in our greatness. And in our most selfish states, we don't have time for those who get in the way of that. But Jesus modeled acceptance of everyone. He welcomed the children, but he also sat with those that we wouldn't be seen with. He sat and ate with tax collectors, with adulteresses, and with thieves. And when we welcome both children and those that don't advance us in the kingdom, then we're exalting Jesus. Another way that we can be like children is by staying curious. If you've ever talked to a kid, especially between the ages of two and five, you probably have realized that they ask a lot of questions. They want to know why we're going to do this thing the way we're doing it, or what time we're going to do this. They're so curious. And there's this misconception that childlike faith means that you're following blindly, and that's not true. When we ask God questions and we go to him with our doubts and we try to learn more about him, we find ourselves drawing nearer to him. Another way we can be like kids is by being real. Kids are who they are, and they're not trying to be anything else. That is what they put out there. And sometimes as parents, we wish that they would tone this down just a little bit in public, but they don't have an agenda. They're not trying to achieve anything. They're real and they're authentic. And I think that's something that we can learn from them. And lastly, we can be more like children by keeping it simple. One of my favorite parts of my role here at the church is getting to talk to a child who wants to know Jesus. Hearing the simple gospel told in the words of a third grader is so humbling. It's a reminder of how simple and beautiful the gospel is because it's nothing about how great we are, but how great Jesus is. So this week, I challenge you to think about one of these things. What are you struggling with? I know I have a whole list of these that I could work on. Start there and find your inner child. I think you'll find that if you do, you'll see the kingdom of God in a new way. I want to start, I want to end with one of my favorite translations of scripture. This is the Jesus Storybook Bible. So our kids use this here, and we use this at home with Howie. So it's basically the Bible put into story form for young children. And the other night, Howie was flipping through, and he actually flipped to our passage. And I think that it just captures the gospel beautifully. So we have some pretty special kids that you might recognize retelling the story.
Peter, Peter. I am. Nonsense, Martin said. I am the cleverest. No, you're not. Yes, I am. Yes, no, am too. The silliness went on and on like that for some time. You see, Jesus' friends had all started thinking they had to do something to make themselves special to Jesus. That if they were the cleverest or the nicest or something, Jesus would like them the best. But they had forgotten something. Something God had been teaching his people all through the years. That no matter how clever you are, or how good you are, or how rich you are, or how nice you are, or how important you are, none of it makes any difference because God's love is a gift. And as everyone will tell you the whole thing about a gift, a gift is it's free. All you have to do is reach out your hands. So while Jesus' friends are arguing, some people who knew all about getting gifts in fact, might, you might say they're gift experts, had come to see Jesus. Who were they? They were little children. Jesus' helpers try to send them away. Jesus doesn't have time for you, they said. He's too tired, but they were strong. Jesus always had time for children. Don't ever send them away, Jesus said. Bring the little ones to me. Now, if you had been there, what would you think? Would you have had to find Quietly to see Jesus? Do you think Jesus would have asked how good you've been before he gave you a hug? Would you have had to been on your best behavior and get dressed up and not speak until you're spoken to? Or would you have done just what these children did? Run straight up to Jesus and let him pick you up within his arms and swing you and kiss you and hug you and sit you on his lap and listen to your stories and jets. You see, children loved Jesus and they knew they didn't need to do anything special for Jesus to love them. All they needed to do was to run into his arms and that's just what they did. Well, after all of the laughing and games, Jesus turned to his helpers and said, no matter how big you grow, never grow up so much that you lose your child's heart, full of trust in God. Be like these children. They are the most important in my kingdom. Be like these children. <laughs> they did an awesome job. Yeah, we can clap for them. Okay, I'm going to end with prayer, and then Jesse will be coming out. God, I just thank you. Um, just for the opportunity to gather with other believers. And I thank you for sending us Jesus. I thank you that we don't have to earn anything, that we don't have to be great. And so God, I pray that you would just help us to trust your love. I pray um, if there's someone in here who's trying to fill that void on their own and they, they know that that hole is there, I pray that they would step out in faith 
and that they would accept you in their hearts. God, help us to be more like children this week. Help us to realize that we don't have it all figured out, but you do. We love you. In Jesus' name, amen.